Welcome into the YO Sports Podcast. I am your host, David Graff. Joined alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Munoz. And then today, we've also got YO Sports UW beat writer Josh Criswell along for the ride with us. We're going to get into UW football. Miserable way to end the season at 6-6. Six and six. But UW basketball, they're 6-0 and oh as we're recording this podcast. So, got to talk a little bit about Linder and the boys. On the they already have as many wins, huh? They already exactly. have as many wins. They have a few more games to get to six, but uh, don't tell Alan Edwards that. Well, we'll get we'll we'll start with we'll start with football. We'll tidy some things up. We'll find out soon, hopefully Sunday, what bowl game if there's a bowl game in line for the Pokes. But first, Robert, how's it going? Doing great, Mr. David Graff. I uh, haven't seen you in a couple of weeks, so it's good to see you. Haven't heard your voice. Uh, that means it's a good time. Good time to talk some not prep sports this week. Uh, no high school football, sadly. But we could talk some UW UW hoops. I don't know if I want to talk too much UW football. That's <laughs> I got to get that taste out of my mouth. A little depressing. It, it's really depressing. It's also kind of funny that you. UW played Hawaii last Saturday, and Shevin, Shevin or Siobhan, I was debating what the pronunciation was with Josh after the game. We were trying to figure it out, or I was trying to figure it out. Well, he announced he was going to transfer. He, he has his best game as a Rainbow Warrior against Wyoming and then says it's been a fun ride on the islands. So let, let's throw it to Josh here. What, what do you make of just the ending to the season, the Pokes finished six and six, thirty-eight fourteen against Hawaii. What do you take away from that one? Yeah, I think it was uh, really kind of, I guess, a fitting into just this up and down season. Obviously, you know, still a chance to go play a bowl game, but it's uh, kind of the thing we've seen all season long. Every time you see them starting to make some progress forward, it seems like they took two steps back. Happened on a number of occasions. You know, whether it was absolutely dominating Ball State and then almost getting upset by a terrible UConn team. Uh, you know, the big win over Colorado State, followed by the letdown at Boise. And then you just go into Logan, Utah, and smoke the Mountain Division champion, and then turn around and get blown out by a Hawaii team that was 2-5 and five in conference play heading into that game. So it's uh, – I, I, would, I wouldn't say that I was shocked by the result, but – it was it was definitely disappointing because you finally uh, saw the offense. We'd seen these signs of how explosive it can be, and lo and behold, they finally decided to mix some things up in in Logan against Utah State. And you saw them put up over 600 yards of total offense. You know, came back against Hawaii, just really predictable, and more than anything, just being super conservative, even down you know 17, 24 points never really seemed like there was a big sense of urgency to get back in that game. Which game do you think was the top of the roller coaster for the Pokes this season? And then what game is where they're on the bottom way back in the line, trying to figure out whether or not they should go get a corn dog or wait in line for the roller coaster. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's gotta be the last two weeks of the regular season, right? You know, you roll into Utah state, no one's given you a chance and really, you just flat out dominated a team that's playing for the Mountain West title this weekend. So uh, that was obviously a high point. Colorado State win was big, but I think the fact that you 
probably dominated Utah State a little bit more, and they're significantly better than CSU was this season. I think that's got to be the high point. And then the low point, I really think it's the, uh, you know, it's easy to say the Hawaii game, and that was going to be my choice at first, but I, I really think it's that New Mexico loss. And the reason why I say that is because that's the game wherever they kind of did the juggling act at the quarterback position, just rotating in Sean Chambers, Levi Williams, no rhythm at all. And you get beat by a team that was pretty much terrible outside of that one win. So I think maybe if they, you have to think that maybe if they pulled the trigger and named Levi Williams, the starting quarterback from the New Mexico game, you know, they could very well be a seven win team. Maybe that gets them some momentum and they finish even better than they did. But I think as bad as the Hawaii loss was, and it's definitely fresh in our minds, I think the biggest thing for me was that New Mexico game and how that was really a turning point in the season. Robert, you and I are alums of the university. We follow the team sometimes like fans. What what would you say is the high and low point for you? It's hard not to agree with Josh on both of those, but, I mean – even though you beat a UConn team, you barely did. They were trailing. I thought they were going to lose that game, to be completely honest there for a second. And I feel like you still can't feel good about yourselves after that game, you know. That has to be somewhat of a low point. Even though you get the win, what were they, 30-point favorites, you know. Um, They were 30-point favorites going into that game, yes. So – I'm not saying you need to win by 31, but they for sure couldn't have been too pleased with themselves after that game. I think that was might have been a low point at the start of the season, even though they were 4-0 to get things started. Um, you know, the CSU game, they beat a very subpar CSU team, uh, Whatever they should be beating that team every year, especially as long as, long as you know Dazio's there. Uh, what they went three nine, CSU went three nine this year. Yeah, I don't think that that's. Yeah, you beat your rival, but they should be winning that game. So, I think I have to agree with Josh to answer your question. Which overall, yes, I don't think I could disagree with him. New Mexico three points. Do you agree with that assessment that this season could have been, I, I won't say drastically different, but maybe you're looking at a seven or eight win team if they just make a decision on the quarterback for the New Mexico game? Yeah, uh, I think they could have won eight games for sure. Um, there's no reason they could have beaten New Mexico or Hawaii, right? I think they could have beaten New Mexico even with everything going on. They should have been. They should have been able to score 17 points against New Mexico, regardless who was back there, and regardless of Craig Bold know, could have played quarterback against New Mexico, and they should have scored 15 points. Okay, like there are no excuses for the egg that was laid against the Lobos. Honestly, now, I was going to say that there's an argument that the UConn game is maybe the highest point of the season and the lowest point of the season at the same time because he barely beat UConn, the worst team in college football in North America, not just the United States of America. And then you're also 4-0. So that was pretty that was a pretty big deal. At the end of the day, they were 4-0. They went 1-0 on the week and 4-0 overall. 
So I can't I can't knock that, honestly. But yeah, I think the low point, the low of all lows was New Mexico. And do they have any football teams in Mexico? I'm sure that there's a team out there trying to get its trying to find some pads or something. I, I'm not totally aware of the college football landscape in Mexico, no. But they're, sure they're running all star squad of college football players in Cabo during spring break. So they're running UConn off the field. I don't know if that counts. I I personally think that if they had figured out the quarterback situation, they may have won one more game. But the games that they were muddling around with the quarterback, New Mexico, you gotta win that one no matter what. That that's just like that's unbelievably embarrassing. And the fact that they lost to New Mexico two years in a row is what just makes it sting even more. Any final thoughts on, on the football program before we maybe put it to bed on this season and then we get into hoops? Yeah, let's get into some hoops. All right, let's talk hoops then. It's 6-0. and Jeff Linder has 100 career wins. Good for that, man. Good for Coach Linder, the leader of this program. What's impressed you the most so far from this this Cowboys basketball team? I really think it's just how well-rounded they are and how well they seem to play together. They seem to have great chemistry, obviously. You know, Hunter Maldonado and Graham E.K. both averaging close to 20 points a game. But really, you can, you know, name seven or eight guys on that roster that have made huge contributions. Obviously, Drake Jeffrey set the Mountain West three-point record last week. Um, and then Xavier Ducell and Jeremiah Odom just really step, stepping up their games this year. But I think the thing that's impressed me is how they've been able to beat teams in different ways, right? You know, Jeff Linder always talks about how they like to get the right shots, not necessarily just be jacking up three-pointers. And you see that with their ball movement, right? Like, you know, some games they're going to get it into Graham E.K. and they're not going to double him and he's going to put up close to 30 points, if not more. And then other games, they're going to double him and then toss it over to Maldonado on the outside. He might go for 25. And then there's going to be games whenever they're crashing the paint. And that really opens up those three-point opportunities like we saw against Hastings College, tying the NCAA record for threes in a game. So I think just really their well-roundedness. Um, and then also on the defensive end, they've definitely uh, teams are starting to shoot higher percentages on them these past couple of, couple of games, I guess. But I've been uh, I've been pretty impressed, you know. They especially I think the way that they've closed games has been really impressive. They've shown a lot of poise. All three games on the road had double digit leads slip away and still found ways to win those. I think the Grand Canyon game probably the most impressive uh, of the season so far. Just being able to do it in that environment, overcome you know late uh, I think it was a scoring drought that allowed GCU to take the lead. So. It's been impressive, you know, it's been a lot, but I think this team, uh, you know, just is someone that, you know, has played basketball since I was three years old and covered the game, you know, for a long time. It's, uh, you can definitely tell that this team has potential for something special. I don't want to throw any water on the fire or, you know, cancel the party, but should there be an asterisk for the three-point record against NAIA Hastings College with seven players? Like, Okay, so I initially thought this, and I tweeted out the stat right as they tied the record. So initially, you know, obviously you have maybe, I wouldn't say discount, but it's not like you went out there and set the NCAA three-point record against 
you know, a conference opponent or something like that. But, you know, you have to look at it, just their efficiency. I need to pull this stat back up. So I'll have to, uh, I'll have to track that down, but I want to say they, they tied the record in like 30 or 40 less three point attempts than the previous solo record holder had. So wasn't against the best competition, but just the efficiency, like it was a drastic difference between the two teams that now hold the single game record. Yeah. 30. Exactly. I think it was, is what you put in your story. And uh, yeah, that's impressive, man. Who, who cares? It's the efficiency, like like Chris Wall said, they're failing it. You can't you can't fault them for that, especially Drake. Sniper. I'm not, I'm not faulting them. I'm just saying, like you know, should there be a little addendum explaining the situation? No way. Who set the previous one? Was it Troy? I think it was Troy against uh, maybe Clemson or something like that. Okay, a good team. They're decent. How many people have heard of Clemson? How many people have heard of Hastings College? I mean, if you're asking (laughs) in Nebraska, maybe Hastings College wins out. But aside from that. (laughs) It's it's like I always say, you can only play the, the teams on your schedule. No doubt, no doubt. And who makes the skip? No, I'm not. It's it's a cool deal. It's a cool deal, no doubt, especially for Drake and doing the individual one. So the biggest thing heading into the season, way back, way back, as far as I can remember, Coach Linder has said they've had to get better defensively. And so far, that has shown up. Do you think that what they're doing on the defensive end of the ball is something that they can carry over into conference play? I really do. I I think especially just seeing the way that they really were able to contain Washington and Grand Canyon. Um, Grand Canyon's another one who is just a really efficient offensive team that have been putting up a lot of points. And and Wyoming really did a good job of just finding out a strategy to kind of get them out of their rhythm. Um, I think that's one of probably, I think one of the maybe most overlooked traits about what Jeff Linder brings to the table. And it's just that attention to detail of being able to kind of focus in on something that can really screw up an opponent's uh, game plan. And for the Grand Canyon game, that was, you know, getting them to slow things down a bit. They're a team that loves to get out on the fast break and with Wyoming, you know, slowing them down, just eating those first 10 or so seconds off the clock before they could do anything that really, I think made an impact and really allowed Wyoming to stay in a game on the road against a team that's probably going to be headed to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. The biggest thing when, I was covering Coach Linder's teams when he was in the big sky is that his teams were going to shoot the three well and they weren't going to let you shoot the three at all. And that's that certainly showed up. Earlier this week, they had a big road win at Cal State Fullerton. You know, they maybe let the Titans get a little bit back into that game before pulling away. What do you, what do you make of their most recent performance on the floor? Yeah, I thought it was really impressive. I really liked just the way that they were able to pull away down the stretch, especially, you know, they had a 17-point a lead. They kind of went cold uh, shooting from the field while uh, Fullerton got hot right at the same time, and they cut that down to four. But, you know, the way they were able to finish that out, win that game by double digits, and uh, I think one of the biggest things was just kind of, as I mentioned earlier, relying on that duo of, 
Graham E.K. and Hunter Maldonado. I mean, you look at what they were able to do, and it was just – it was really impressive. I think, you know, E.K. had close to 20 points in the first half. Then the other team kind of starts to focus in on him, and Maldonado goes off for 15 after halftime. So uh, I think, you know, you kind of – you saw a lot of the traits of, you know, a team that's going to be able to win a lot of games. Just being able to have that second go-to option is huge in college basketball, and I think – that's something that Wyoming, you know, even though they're picked, I think, eighth in the league in the preseason, I think they're going to finish in the top half pretty soundly just because not a lot of teams have two top-tier go-to guys that you can give the ball to on almost any possession. On a disrespectfulness scale, how, how would you rank that? One to ten, you know, that they got picked eighth. So I don't think it's all that disrespectful. It's where they finished last year, and I think – the Mountain West is just extremely competitive this season, but we've seen some early season slip-ups from teams. I think Nevada had a rough game early on. I forget who one of the other teams was, Uh, but I mean, it's going to be a strong conference. So I don't think it was necessarily disrespectful. I probably would have put them more in that six to seven range, but I think if we were repicking these teams at this point in time, you'd have to have them in there around maybe four or five. The basketball team is six and oh, 6-0, 6-0, and it's the first time they've been 6-0 and since they last went to the tournament with Larry Nance Jr. and company. The biggest issue right now, there aren't, there aren't a whole lot of people going out and enjoying this game in the AA. You know, what, what do you think of this? There's a big home stretch here. Coach Linder has made a bit of a, a push to get people to come out and watch the Cowboys. What, what, do, you, what do you think of that, Josh? Yeah, you know, I I think there's something promising we saw in the Hastings game. You know, um, wasn't a packed house by any means, but you still had a season high, uh, close to 3,300 fans in the seats for that one. And that's for an NIA opponent that had seven people playing the day after Thanksgiving. So, I mean, that's not a game that you would typically, I would imagine, get much more than 1,500 for. But, um, you know, you look at that, Plus, you look at the very next day at War Memorial Stadium, football attendance almost 40% below its season average. So the fact that you're able to get that many people to an NIA game, I think that's huge. And I think maybe a lot of people, uh, you know, maybe they saw Jeff Linder's comments after the game. I don't think he was uh, disrespectful to the fan base. I think he was just kind of, you know, speaking it like it is, that if they can get some more people in the seats, it's only going to help them. Um, and I think people kind of responded to that, especially after seeing the environment at Grand Canyon. Um, I think maybe Wyoming fans looked at that, saw the way the team played and thought, not only is this team really exciting, but I mean, you saw it there in Grand Canyon. They're a team that whenever that stadium gets rocking, they're really tough to hang with. The Cowboys found a way to pull it out in the end. But, you know, I think people might have saw that and said, hey, maybe we can make the arena auditorium look somewhat like that at some point this year. Yeah, there's plenty of time for the Pokes basketball team to only get better and for the attendance to improve. Attendance at the basketball games, there's not been much in recent seasons to push you to go to a basketball game, aside from the delicious popcorn at the Arena Auditorium. It's phenomenal. Arguably the best popcorn in the state. What's what's the winning streak? Uh, what, what's, when is the undefeated record going to come to an end? So me and me and David were talking about this. Uh, I think it might have been after the football game on Saturday. 
I, you know, I, I said if they get through Fullerton, I really think that they get to conference play with only one loss and that being on the road at Arizona on December 8th. Uh, you know, you look through it, Utah Valley is a solid team. Um, you know, Stanford's obviously really talented. So maybe, you know, two losses there. But I really think that, you know, they're going to be heading into conference play with no more than two losses on their record. I agree. The only losable game on their schedule between now and January 1 when they tip off against Boise State for the first Mountain West game. Granted, they have two games in Hawaii that the opponent is unknown, or at least one. They should beat Stanford. If Santa Clara, Santa Clara University can uh, topple the tree, then Wyoming ought to be able to do the same. So, uh, But December 8th, if they beat Arizona in Tucson, my word, will we have a basketball team in Laramie. What What do you think, Robert? I think you guys are, are right. You know, McNeese State isn't very good this year. I think they could probably run through DU. How refreshing is it, Robert, to have a basketball team that you're not worried about when an opponent comes into Laramie, them losing at home? It's pretty refreshing. You know, for sure, kind of – I mean, when was it? Yeah. Yeah, it's refreshing for sure. I mean, it I used mean, to be Coach Linder's teams coming in there to kick butt. So that's part of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to think, you know, uh, how rough of a stretch that was there. No one was going to the games. I was living in Laramie. And sometimes I wouldn't even walk to the Reno Auditorium from my dorm to watch. I lived right down the street, and I only, I'm, like I said earlier, I only go for the popcorn and to cash out my four beers, and then I'd be on my way home. So the, there wasn't much to see. I guess Hayden Delton was kind of a – he's a bit of an, an anomaly. It's like a seven-footer trying to shoot threes from Steph Curry range. Yeah, they had some uh, – yeah, Justin James. JJ was, about- JJ was pretty awesome, yeah. Yep. NBA so, player as well. NBA player. He was worth had, the price of admission. You're right. Yep. And they had a couple of uh, homegrown kids for sure. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Wild Sports Podcast. We really appreciate Mr. Chriswell and his time and for hopping on with us to talk a little bit of football, a whole lot more hoops. Can't wait to get more into the UW basketball season, especially a week from today, will be that Arizona game. So looking forward to that one. Two home games for you guys to go out and try and get down to Laramie and see see the Pokes in action in person and maybe change the tide in, in the AA. Be, it'd be, I might get chills if I saw people in there who weren't also in there for the popcorn. They were in there for the basketball on the floor. So – Really appreciate everybody who's listened to the podcast, been subscribed to the podcast, sharing the podcast, all of that good stuff. It, it really it just makes this thing more fun to put together each week. Shout out to Shakewell for the music, and we'll talk to you next week.
Shout out any suggestions, baby 